as a sports person, if I'm going to train for something, if I'm going to do something, win, lose or draw, I want people at the end of it to go, fair play, you, you stepped in with a, a real fight, not, not a payday. Martin, are you the scariest person on the planet? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's what's been said. Um, and, and potentially people that don't know me may go along with that. And then those that do, it's, the, it's one of the most humorous quotes that's ever been said. <laughs> Why do you think people think that? That I'm the scariest man on the planet? Yeah. Um, it could be to do with the radical um, tattooing across the face or the, the movies that I've been in, the training that I do, the fact that I'm entering the fight world. Could be a combination of three or four things, to be fair. Do you think you're misunderstood then? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Now's your chance. What, what, what do people not know about you and misunderstand about um, you? I think people that follow me on, on social platforms get a glimpse of seeing the real me. Um, for myself, I'm more, I'm, I'm someone who comes from a, a, a good background, a good upbringing, played some great, uh, I played a very good sport in cricket at high level. So I got to mix and socialize with very educated kids and adults throughout my youth. Um, I went to university, I've had a very good upbringing. Then the age of 21, 22, decided to look normal wasn't for me. Um, and whether it was part of a midlife crisis, a breakdown or whatnot, I decided to reinvent myself. Um, and it kind of worked, to be fair. Brave, stupid, but worked. <laughs> so... Was it a conscious decision then to have so many tattoos and just completely look different? Or is it the sort of thing you do your arm first and then it just sort of becomes yeah, no, an addiction? It wasn't, it wasn't a conscious effort at all. I think the, the problem with me, my personality is very addictive. Which is why I've got to be very careful on what I do. Um, and, and the tattoos was something that was supposed to be very small. Um, and like a meaningful tattoo to, to start with, which was actually my family's initials across here. And then when I, when I had it done, it looked so small, because I was, I was huge at the time. And I thought, that looks ridiculous. It looked like such a girly tattoo on my arm. That's how good add something to it. And then we added a bit more, and then I think that's when I got the bug for the tattoos, and then that sort of led to my face. And that was an interesting one to go home with your face tattooed. Um, how old were you when you did that? 23. So your parents couldn't really say anything then? Well, I was, I was, yeah, they weren't impressed. <laughs> it was my grandmother that was really, uh, really upset. But um, I, I never forget having all these tattoos done. And, and I used to have, I was, I was a personal trainer, I had some brilliant clients. I used to be very, very close to them, to be fair. Um, and I remember going into the gym one day and this older lady, she saw it, she was horrified. And she was like a second mom to me. She's like, you've, you've ruined your life now. You're never going to be able to work. You're never going to be able to do this. You've had these tattoos, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? <laughs> I remember saying, I'll never have to work for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know I'll be successful. I, had, I always had that ambition that I was going to do something different. Um, and, and to be fair, I backed myself and, and created something that can't be replicated. And it's, it's definitely paid off for me. Mm. So. so we'll talk about tattoos in a bit, because mm -hmm. I'd like to ask what some of them mean, and also sort of the image. But when you do research into who you are and what you do. There's a lot. So I'm going to read it out to you. This will be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Ford is a famous actor, fitness freak, gym trainer, social media star, bodybuilder, internet personality, 
an Instagram influencer. So my question to you, Martin, is how do you see yourself? As a dad of three, who <laughs> does anything to That's make enough. money to, <laughs> to pay the bills. Um, I prioritise myself for me where I'd, I'd prefer to be seen and prefer to go uh, in the acting route. I mean, I've been in the industry seven years now um, and I stumbled into it, which was something that was half, half planned, half dream. Uh, and then got my first film, got my first TV show. Then I was able to afford to educate myself in, in that world. So I went back into the teaching, the learnings. Um, and that's where my energy and passion definitely lies. The last 12 months, I've had the opportunity to get more into the fight world. Now, for me, the idea of the fighting was something that married up beautifully to the film because it's a very similar audience, demographic. Um, the energy is very similar as well. And with, the, with my history of being a sports person, having, the, having that ability to feel that energy and buzz from a sporting environment once more was why I went down that route. So I'd definitely say where I'm at now would be more of a actor, semi-professional fighter. <laughs> right, right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself as a professional fighter, I wouldn't put myself in, in that league, but I take it extremely serious. I'm training six times a week, best coaches money can pay for. So I've done it for five, six years properly. The last 12 months married to it. So it's at a level where I can be respected in the sport. And did you get into fighting because you wanted to fight or because of the huge opportunity with all the celebrities fighting and the YouTubers and all that? It was, to be honest, it was a combination of both. For me, I kind of don't like the celebrity fighting, which is why I'm trying to veer out of that and go more into the professional world with KSW. So there's a Polish MMA outfit which do professional fights. It's like UFC, but, but you're a very big organisation. They offered me the opportunity to fight on their uh, platform just before COVID. Unfortunately, I was filming Fast and Furious 9 at the time, so I couldn't do it for insurance purposes. Then COVID hit, so that was three years ago now. I've had a conversation with the CEO of KSW who are extremely keen to get me back in. For me, if I'm going to go into the fight world, I'd prefer to go and fight properly than celebrity fights. And for that reason, it's because I don't think I'd get anything from fighting other celebrities. I'd still get people saying, mm, yeah, you won, but he's not even a fighter, so what's the point? And as a sports person, if I'm going to train for something, if I'm going to do something, I want win, lose or draw. I want people at the end of it to go, fair play, you, you stepped in with a, a real fight and not, not a payday. And that's, that's more the passion of being a sports person than anything else. Yeah. So if you're offered like 25 mil to fight, yeah, or you... <laughs> I'd do it, yeah. I'd do it, but the reality is that's probably not going to happen. And the, the opportunity to fight someone for half a million or a million who's another celebrity or I can fight for similar sort of money, not as much, but on a professional outfit. I'd rather fight the professional outfit because it will give me more of a credibility in the sport. Mm. And that's more, that's more where my passion for the fitness lies. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So we'll come back to the fighting because yes. that's... Um, Think that'll be great to talk about. Um, you clearly go down the gym every now and again. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you got a six pack on your face, I can say <laughs> that. So, um, how'd you get into bodybuilding? I heard you, um, let, me, let me just throw a guess out there. You must have been a bowler in cricket if you're six foot eight. I was a bowler, yeah. yes. Um, I used to play for my county, so you awesome. would, probably that? would have taken my head off. I only Cambridgeshire, but it, yeah. was, it was my county. Um, 
And so I figured you'd be a bowler with your height. So how'd you go from like a lean, fast bowler to, what are you, 23 stone? At the moment, yeah, but at my biggest, I was about 26 stone. Fucking hell. So I was That's definitely like big. Three a year? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was big. Yeah. I was very big. Um, and, and to be fair, like size-wise, if I wanted to go back to that again, it wouldn't be difficult. Um, it wouldn't be sensible. Uh, you know, I'm 40 years old now and I want mm. to feel... I suppose it probably wouldn't help your fighting either, it would, would it? Yeah, well, that would be the main thing. I had to drop the weight for the fighting, so it was a, it was a conscious effort to bring the weight down. Um, and, and I think this is my natural weight now. This is definitely... I mean, I've been at this weight for a good seven, eight months, training a couple of hours a day. Um, so I definitely think this is where my natural weight lies. The bodybuilding, that's one, that's one thing that always sort of makes me... Uh, when people class me as a bodybuilder, it's kind of like, oh. Not because it's, I haven't trained with weights, more a disrespect to the bodybuilders of the world who compete. For me, I'd say I was more someone that should enjoy training with weights because I've never, I've never been competitive bodybuilding. I've never stepped on stage. I've trained as hard as any other bodybuilder out there. Um, and, and the reason I got into that was 100% because of the, I had a kind of breakdown when I was 19, 20. I got, um, I got released from Warwickshire for cricket. Um, granddad passed away with cancer and, and one thing led to another. And I think it was just too much for me to deal with at 18, 19. Ended up trying to control myself and my life with food um, and gave myself anorexia, which was a bizarre twist from someone who's always been sport-based. To go from very healthy and athletic and powerful into someone that was weak and feeble and had this issue with food and couldn't get enough energy to get off the sofa for six months. It was a weird place to be. Now, the bodybuilding for me was something that I saw more of an answer to my problems. I knew if I could get into a sport that required me to eat and to train to put weight back on, I could get myself healthy. So for me, it was like, right, well, if I become obsessed with this and if I put my time into it, it gives me a purpose again in life. And that was the, that was the hardest thing. I lost all my purpose. I'd lost from being promised I was gonna be a professional athlete to nothing literally overnight. Um, it was a difficult pill to swallow as a 19 year old. And, and for me, bodybuilding almost saved, well it did, it saved my life in all fairness. And, and I think that's why I was so passionate and so obsessed with it because I could see each day I was getting heavier, I was feeling better, I was becoming stronger. And it gave me the energy to, to, to live again. And I think that's where the, the obsession can take over. So you've got to try and find that healthy balance. But I went from 14 stone to probably 21, 22 stone in 12 months, which was- 12 a, months. Yeah. But you've got to remember I'd gone from being maybe 16 stone athletic to underweight at 12 stone with an eating disorder. Body, body percentage was about one, 2%. So my body was so craving food. It, wouldn't, it wasn't hard to put weight on in right. the sense that everything I ate just boom, stuck to me. And wow. I, I took the mindset of the cricket training into the bodybuilding world and just train. I mean, he trains for me every day. So he sees how yeah. hard I train, how much I train. I train three, four hours a day. And I always have done. It was just an element of, okay, right, well, I'll switch the type of training I do, which obviously required me to switch the food. The food was ridiculous. I, a lot of it, people don't realize how much food you have to eat. Um, but luckily, I've always had a big appetite, so it was something I sort of fell into. Um, genetically, was very gifted at doing. Mm. So you said you took the mindset of being 
ultimately almost a professional sportsman and training like one into your weight training. What is that mindset? The refusal to lose. Um, the ability to switch off from the outside world and focus and be consistent and, and also knowing that if you don't win today, you've got tomorrow to be successful. And that was, that did so much for me in the, in the gym. Because I think a lot of people start a fitness regime or start something and give up. And my ability to not give up is probably what makes me so strong when it comes to sports and the refusal to give up, especially after going through what I'd been through when I had that breakdown. And that was the first and the last time in 40 years I've ever given up. And I'd never want to feel that again. So for me, having that feeling of what it's like to be at the very bottom drove me forward and, and it almost became a bit of a curse as well because it leads to overtraining and it also leads to you doing too much. So as long as you can take a backward step and analyze when you're doing right, when you're doing wrong, the energy to, to do it's always there, the motivation's always there. And I think that's, that's something I've took through life with me. It's, if, if there's something I really want to do is just keep knocking that door until the door opens and eventually it will, but then you've got to take advantage of it when you get in. And that's, that's definitely something that I live by. So when you're in the gym, are you one of these guys that's completely unapproachable? Don't come and talk to me when you're in the if gym. If I'm training for something, yeah. yeah. I'll put my headphones on. Yeah. I'll have my trainer next to me. My trainer will literally put weights on, puts weights off and doesn't really say or do much. Just stops people coming up. Yeah. Um, which, unless you're in the fitness world, you won't really understand. It, it can, my issue now is, as my popularity is growing and, and people are recognising me, I don't want to come across as being rude. But at the same time, it's like me coming into your workspace, opening the door and sitting next to you while you're working and trying to have a conversation. All your focus is on your work. If it's not, you're not going to be successful. And the same with my training. All my focus has to be on training. I can't have a chat halfway through a set. It will take my energy. It will take my rest. It will take everything. It will just go off. So for me, the headphones is a must. Even when I'm you know, with people training with them, I'll have my headphones on. Sometimes. Do you have the big fuck off ones? I have them all. <laughs> <laughs> the bigger they are, the more you can fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, this is what's really funny. Sometimes I won't even put music on. <laughs> yeah. I have the headphones on and people won't, won't think you're rude if you don't look at them in the eyes and you don't talk to them because they just presume you listen to music. Yeah. It gives me the ability to just zone in. Yeah. And that's what's key. You know, there's, yeah. there's people that go to a gym and then there's people that train. And they're two very different things. Very different things. And the... Uh, the only way you're going to get results is if you know how to train. Yeah. Whether that's bodybuilding, fighting, any any sport, you need to know and you need to be able to push yourself to that level to become, to, to hit that level of excellence. Mm. So has weightlifting, bodybuilding, going down the gym changed since the days of Arnold Schwarzenegger, then Ronnie Coleman, then Dorian Yates. Has it changed a lot since then? I think a lot, yeah. And I don't necessarily think for the better, to be honest. Really? Um, I mean... How's it changed? I think it's changed a lot through the misconception of fitness, the misconception of what a human body should look like, um, the filters on social media, the pressures from social media and, and media on kids, whether that be a lot of, I see so many teenagers now, boys and girls, who have this expectation of themselves of what they should look like and how they should look and how they should train. And the reality is, I'd say 80% of what's out there on social media from fitness platforms bullshit. Like 
the Iranian Hulk. Exactly. <laughs> uh, didn't take much research. <laughs> to... Yeah, I mean, that was Photoshop. He, I mean, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. that that that's something that I wasn't necessarily referring to, but one hundred percent is is correct. Yeah, someone who's edited photos to create this image that other people look up to, and then when the you know the light shines on him in in real time, is nothing like the photos, whether that's height or size or power. Yeah. and that was one occasion that got him into a lot of trouble. Yeah. What trouble did it get him into? Well, the whole of Iran was against him. He turned around on social media um, saying how he hates Iran. Now, the thing is, wow. Iran and UK are very different. If I was to turn around on social media and go, I, you know, the, the British people irritate me, I don't like them, no one would really care. You do that in Iran, <laughs> you better make sure you've got bulletproof windows. Yeah. His mum and dad came out, disowned him. Uh, he was an embarrassment to the family. He went on national TV, started crying. Yeah, I saw that. Um, he, had a, he had a breakdown there live on TV. He created a, an alter ego via social media that he didn't realise was an alter ego. I don't know if he's of right mental state, if I'm honest. He created this image that he was adamant would be godlike. And then the reality was the image and, and the 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 way he portrayed himself to be on social media was not the reality. And then when, mm. the, you know, when, when the alter ego steps into the real world and is confronted, it's a very different outcome to what it looks like on the computer. So I think there's, there's that side of it. There's the side of it where, you know, kids growing up that haven't got the self-esteem and the confidence that they might have at the, in their 30s when they're in late teens are only confident to have a picture on social media if it's a filter or only confident if it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's such a bad way to live and it's such a, it's, it's, I think life has become so judgmental on the external that a lot of people forget the internal. And it's very, it's very easy to see on social media. We were, we were joking earlier about TikTok. You can get a girl, put a picture on the bikini and she'll get two, three million followers. You get someone who's educated talking about biodegradable, five followers. And it's, where's, where's the real value in what people want to be surrounded with? And, and that's what's worrying about social media. I think there's a lot that, I think there's a lot of good in social media. And I think with the right people on the right platforms, it's fantastic. But there's also a lot of um, content out there that's so mind numbing and so time consuming that I worry what our next generation is going to be like, whether it's, you know, how can you, you, you as an adult know how, how much time you waste on, on platforms, right? And this is us as quite, quite successful adults or very successful adults, yeah? So as a 14, 15 year old, if they're spending four to five hours a day on social media laughing at TikToks, where's their education? Where's their progressive learning? Where's their future? And, and that's what concerns me with social media. There's a, about three things I want to jump in on what you just said there. First thing is, how do we change it then? Mm -hmm. How do we change social media? Because we can talk about it, but you know, it's like I rant about the government because I think a lot of things they're doing are wrong, but yep. Boris isn't watching or listening nope. or changing. Nope. How do we change social media? I think, I think a lot becomes, I think we go back to the responsibility of parents. 
And I really do. I don't think it, I think the problem is parents now put social media in front of children to shut them up and not bring them up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people won't like that. But mm-hmm. if you are very honest with yourself, how many times do you think, right, if I just give them YouTube, I've got a quiet hour, I can get the house tidy. Or in the car, there's, there's go and watch. I'm sure every single person as a parent's done it. I've done it. And I, I also try and make conscious effort not to do it and go back to the old school of playing games in the car when driving and so on and, and not letting the kids have the laptops, the iPads, the phones at the age of six and seven. But the problem is it's so easy to do it. Now, I think having, taking some responsibility as, as parents, I think is key. You can't blame, constantly blame the platforms because they're not gonna listen and they're not gonna go anywhere. And they feed you back what you search for. 100%. And we so know they as give well, you what you want. We know, we know how clever the people are in Facebook. There was, there, there's, been the, there's been all the documentaries on what they do and how they do it and how they create the numbers so you're obsessed with looking at TikTok and Facebook to see your number count going up because it gives you that feel-good factor. And, and that's, that's what's worrying is the fact that they've got very educated, clever people creating obsessive behaviour in normal people without them understanding it, almost creating gamblers yeah. in, in that sense. And, and that's the, I, I don't think there is anything that can really be done without bringing down social media because without that, there isn't social media. It's very difficult. So it's, it's trying to educate and to teach the importance of balance and structure. Mm. I don't think it's, it's a case of, it's new. When I was young, I was terrible for, for being out too late playing football or cricket or always out doing sports rather than homework. So it's only the same type of thing, but it was a healthier obsession. Yeah. The problem with social media and, and computers and, and the phone, it's not that healthy in the sense that people are trapped in, they're isolated, they're very vulnerable, especially on stuff like TikTok. That's something that, uh, for someone who joined seven days ago, is very concerned having daughter, a nine-year-old daughter the fact that I can be searching through TikTok and you've got a 13, 14 year old doing dances on my on, on the feed that they recommend for you to look at. And you're like, why are you showing me kids on a platform? They shouldn't even be on the platform. Mm. And that's, that's where it becomes, I think Instagram is probably better in that sense because I've, I've never seen it on Instagram or Facebook in all honesty. But TikTok definitely seems to be one which for me as a dad worries me. Um, the, the platform, the ability to connect with such young and dangerous mixes of of ages. Mm. Well, while we're on social media, there is a bit of a change. Uh, You're seeing platforms like Getter and Rumble come out, which claim to be free speech, um, because on all the other channels, you can get cancelled really easily. And then it took me by surprise, but I thought this could be good. Elon Musk may be buying Twitter Twitter. and open source algorithm and all that. Do you think that's a step in the right direction? Yes and no. Because the problem with free speech is you also open yourself up to people who actually don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know. <laughs> Which is a lot of people. Well, free speech in the 1940s was very dangerous. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's the problem. You only need someone who's clever and educated to have the ability to have a platform with free speech to turn that free speech into something extremely dangerous, whether it be war or whatever it be. Mm. That's the problem with free speech. I also believe that there is an issue with not having 
the ability to challenge government or decisions. I mean, for me, the one that jumped straight to, to, to my head was the lockdown. And obviously coming from someone who's obsessed with fitness and extremely health conscious, um, what was going on then for me was just ringing red bells everywhere. And the biggest one that I just couldn't wrap my head around was the fact that every everything was closed down, everything was shut, and we had this massive health concern, yet McDonald's drive-through was left open. And the gyms were shut. Yeah. So foods that are proven to cause cancer and be poisonous and diabetes, I mean, the list of the list of issues with fast food compared to the list of issues with the coronavirus was probably very similar matched when that comes to total deaths and the, the, the problems within society and so on. And the fact that the fast food chains were left open, just for me, just, I just couldn't get my head around it. I really couldn't. I, I'm all up for let's try to save people and, and help people. And, and if we don't socialize, we'll save a hundred older people. Okay, fine, I'm, I'm all up for that. What, you know, but then when you're not, transparent and you're not you're not being uh consistent with the advice given and the problem for me with the food side of it and the fitness and the gym side of it was that they were stopping people going to the park and exercising yet there was nothing and there was there was, there was a common link between obesity and and the virus and obviously anyone that was overweight it was a lot more impactful and so on so why not start to approach and attack the food industry with the chocolate with the Maybe alcohol. because it's a massive, powerful industry. And how much money is it bringing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why is there not this big campaign for um, education on being healthy? Yeah. It, I mean, it comes, it comes and goes every now and again. It, it, you know, it flourishes with like every couple of months. There's a Jenny Oliver special or there's a this. Or the schools are introducing walking at lunchtime. It's just absolute nonsense. The, the, the reality is there needs to be a shift in shifting people. I think we always need to go backwards to go forwards. I think the last 10, 15 years has been, the, the way that society's gone is, is, is gonna impact us massively. And I think we'll see it when we hit our 60s and 70s if we don't change now. Because all of a sudden you'll, you'll start to realize the impact when people hit their older years. If, you, you know, if these kids nowadays, the amount of overweight kids is, ridiculous and you can't say anything because that's classed as bullying and it's classed as not being you know it's not if you can't call a kid overweight and i'd never dream of going up to an individual kid and going you're you're fat you are but it's definitely something that needs to be addressed why why are so many kids overweight nowadays you know we have so much knowledge and so much education and so much resources at our fingertips why are we even allowing these kids to be like this it goes back down to the same point it makes a fortune you know, the sugar industry, it was, there was that documentary on, on Nestle when they, there was an envelope passed because sugar was researched and it wasn't allowed out, but then it was. Wonder why? Mm. Mm. <laughs> you can go back and chase everything through time. It's all yeah. down to money. It, you know, and it's, it's just a sad state of affairs. Mm. Yeah, wow. It wasn't on my list of things to talk about. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's great we're talking about it, but let's not get each other cancelled. So we'll, we'll stop there. Um, I only had one question about the Iranian Hulk, but something that interested me was when I did my research, I couldn't find out the real reason for the fight not going ahead. Yep. And I thought it'd be nice to ask you. Yeah, no problem at all. So 
you obviously saw the confrontation. Yes, I did. Yeah. I want to ask you about that as well. So, so we had the confrontation. Why did you push him? There was a lot being said outside of, well, through social media. Um, there was a hell of a lot said. I don't know how in detail you want to go into it. In detail, please. Okay. <laughs> so there was messages from... If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. People, um, I'll rape your daughter, I'll kill your children, I'm gonna send you home dead. And bear in mind, my daughter's four, nine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So this has come from within a circle of him himself, for me, was probably used as after I met him, right, after the push then to me it sort of came very clear that he hasn't got a clue what's going on. His management and the people looking after him before, he had new management now, but before, definitely hung him out to dry. And they were stitching him left, right and centre. Now, when we had this face-off and the, and, and the whole push happened, that was a build-up of six months of, well, probably four months of people sending me messages on that level which I've still got all the screenshots off. Never did anything with it. It was just it's still there. A lot of anger to that. You've got kids. You know exactly how you'd feel if someone said that. Um, and then there was a lot of stuff going on about um, just just childish crap. And for me, it was a build-up of it all. And, and I says to the promoters, don't put me face-to-face -face with them until we fight because I'm going to fight <laughs> and I don't want to fight in a gym or on the, I don't want to, I want, you know, so they put us face to face. It was a, it was a, it was a cock up on the, on, on the promotion side, if I'm honest, with the face off. It should never have happened when it happened, how it happened. It was the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong environment. There's no security. It was just stupid. Um, and then the second face off happened where he tries to take me down. And that was the one that like, ugh. almost like, Rugby tackle by a piece of yeah, blue never, tackle. No I don't know what it was. And that for me was the was the time where I was I was more concerned about the damage that was going to be done to him, because it was very obvious and very clear that there was never going to be a fair fight. And he after that I saw we were supposed to do a press conference and I saw him after that press uh, at that press conference and he was crying, like he was broke. Um, he didn't want to fight, he didn't want to go out, he didn't want to wake, he didn't want to do anything. He was bad. He then put a post out on social media, which you may or may have not seen, because he took down about 12 hours later saying he wants to kill himself, right? On his stories. Wow. Then 
there was issues with payment through the organisation, which was one thing, or it wasn't rather here or there. So we've got a combination of four or five things that have happened. Now, after all of this that's happened, he still wants to fight, right? But he seems to think we can arrange a fight that wouldn't necessarily be as real as a real fight. Then he sort of comes to terms that that's not going to happen. Then his management, I don't know, I don't know what his management were trying to do at this point. They were being very fishy, to say the least. And then we got back to the UK. I watched all the videos. He went and had the interview on TV. He cried. He got absolutely hammered on social media. He then, uh, his parents came on, disowned him. And for me, I've phoned up the organisation. I can't fight this guy. I do not want to be responsible for this kid, one, being bullied, and two, taking his own life, because that is the only way it would have ended. Um, and that was pretty much it. There was about eight clauses in the contract already being broke through money not being paid, um, things not being done. A lot of stuff was not happening that was promised me for the actual fight itself. The fact that I was promised by the people that this guy was 400 pounds and six foot four and a pro MMA fighter had eyes on him, apparently. American guys had gone over and seen him around and swore blind. He was huge. He was this, he was that. It's the only reason we flew to Dubai. The reality was he was 270, 280 pound kid in a man, you know, he was, he was, it wasn't small, but he wasn't big. And honestly, I think he had mental issues. Uh, yeah, he definitely had something that wasn't normal. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way at all, whether that was just the lack of education or the lack of opportunity or whatnot. He was, mm. he was actually quite a nice kid, yeah. which was made it even worse. He, in my opinion, he'd been absolutely strung out and, and stuck to the, you know, he'd been put out there to, to make money off. Mm. Um, the thing that really ended it for me was the crying on TV and his parents and then him saying he wants to kill himself. I can't be responsible for that just for a fight. It's not... It's not something that I'd feel proud of if there's no win. There's no way in a million years he would have done anything to make the fight worthwhile. Mm. The fight would have been a very easy victory. He would have then ended up potentially killing himself, which sounds stupidly drastic, but from what he's already put out on social media and the way that the people were mocking him, I think was a very potential outcome. Um, and that was that. Was that. It, was, it was just something that I mean, don't get me wrong, I lost a fortune from that fight, from making that decision, but... Are you okay to say how much? A lot. Hell of a lot. A lot of money. Seven figures? Yeah. Yeah, wow. A lot of money. Yeah. But for me, I'd, it wasn't worth the gamble if he had took his life, because that would have all been down on me. 100% would have been down to me. I don't think people would have blamed me, or people, but for me personally, knowing I had the opportunity not to make that happen... I hope to God he doesn't fight anyone because it wouldn't end well for him if it was anyone that could actually fight. Um, and, and I hope, I'm sure he's very depressed at the moment and from someone who's been through depression, it's not a nice place to be and I wouldn't want to be someone that adds to it. Yeah. So it was money that I was promised but never had so I don't miss it. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. one of them, it is what it is. And I think ultimately in life you make decisions that um, if it's the right decision, 
it will come back round again and, and that opportunity will come again to fight the right person at the right price or to do a film at the right, you know, it's not always about making an extra bit of money. I'm, I can already doing all right for myself, but I couldn't have lived with that, if I'm honest. Mm. Thank you for being so open about that. That's fine. Really appreciate that. Um, so depression's come up two or three times. Yeah. Um, you're a big, strong man on the outside and you've felt weakness on the inside. So if anyone's feeling depressed, um, how can they turn it around like you did? Do you know, I think depression's a very difficult thing to give a single answer to. For me, I found goal setting absolutely imperative. It was something that once I realised what I wanted to achieve and, and by feeling the success, by feeling success, it allowed me to overcome the daily depression, mm. which I, I think there's different levels of depression. I still think there's, I think that the problem with with depression is that people sort of judge it as a weakness. Now, I'd like to judge it as actually a strength, and it sounds weird, but for me, I feel depressed when I'm not being successful or when I'm not doing something. So if you switch it around on its head and look at it like that, it's like, well, okay, but you're depressed because you're not being progressive, which actually means you're a very focused, determined person who wants to be, who wants to be successful and you've got ambition, you're just not doing the right things, which is why you're feeling shit. So when you start changing the mindset of what is depression and why you're feeling depressed, well, I'm depressed because I'm not this, or I'm not, I haven't got the car I want, or I'm living the house that I want to live in, or I'm not doing the things I want. Okay, that's fine. And to feel depressed because of that is, is okay, but what's not okay is having a, a path that you can take to get there. So break it back into stages. Why, why aren't you driving the car you want? Well, you're not driving the car you want because you're not doing the job that you need to do to pay the money, right? Well, what do I need to do to get that job? Okay, well, I'm, I need a job X, Y, Z, whatever it may be, right? Well, how do you get that job? Well, that goes back to the education, right? Well, start there, start back. Rather than, rather than just being, oh, I'm just depressed, there's no tomorrow, actually look at how you can use tomorrow to make the day after even better. And, and that's, I think, that's where my fitness really comes into play because I've seen the changes that can be that can happen, whether it's sports or on a personal level. I hated the way I looked. All right, well, I'm going to go into the gym and I'm going to change that. But it didn't change overnight. It was something that I had to plan for 12, 18 months, you know, and started to get changes over the time. And it's the same with education. Do you know what I mean? If you, you know, if you want to have a job that pays well, you're going to need to understand how to do that job. So go back to the start, research it, educate yourself in it, start to put yourself in the right places with the right people, start to make a network for yourself and grow it that way. And then because you're actually focused and busy on something, you haven't got time to be depressed. And you feel that, I think being progressive is the best medicine you can take for depression. I think the worst thing is when you're depressed and you go to the doctors and you get given something to make you feel happy. Because ultimately you're just putting a bandage on a, on a massive wound that's not gonna ever help it. And, and a lot of the medications can actually probably make you less productive. Mm. Would you call yourself a businessman? Just quickly, we have got, for the biggest man, the smallest glass ever. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's like a thimble. <laughs> We've tanked about two of these already. Could you get us another one, Eden? Is that all right? Maybe get a bigger glass. <laughs> 
I'd, I'd say, I mean, I studied marketing and business at A-levels. Yeah. Um, and I only took it to A-levels purely because when I was at the age, I then went more into the sports with, with passion. But then business-wise, I've run a very successful personal training company um, before this hit. Um, I have a very successful online coaching company now. I'm about to go back into launching a supplement company, um, collaborating with a sponsor. I'm, I'd say I'm quite business savvy on, on, on aspects, 100%. I mean, there's, there's definitely parts that I'm not strong at, but then I think that's where it becomes beautiful having a fusion with people who are. So, you know, this, I'm a good ideas person. I'm a good people person. I understand um, demographics and trying to pick one business and utilize the demographic you've already got by creating another one. Uh, I also understand the importance of job roles and finding the right people to fit and building a team and making that team feel part of a family for, for progression. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I have elements of me that's definitely a business-minded person. And that, and that excites me as well, to be honest. I, I'm, you know, I do get excited by the opportunities of, of being in business the beauty of that for me is very similar to, to the bodybuilding in the sense that I did is growing something and seeing something grow from nothing to something and you being responsible for that. I think that's what I get excited about with business. And out of all the ventures you're in, because you're in a lot of ventures, which pays the best? Uh, it's difficult. I mean, films are like one-offs that pay very well. But then off the back end of the films, allows me to create the sponsorships. Um, sponsorships pay very well. The online coaching pays very well. Uh, I'd say the ability at the moment to make the most money will be from the fitness industry and through the coaching and the supplementation. Definitely. My issue and my problem has always been the same in the sense that my morals might be too high to make the most money. And when it comes to bringing out supplementation and supplements in general, I'm very adamant that I'll only push what I genuinely believe in. And there's a lot of supplements out there that aren't necessarily what they are all hyped up to be, but they're great sellers. And mm. so that's my stumbling block. But also at the same time, I don't think that's a bad thing because I, I'd hope that people who follow me and know me then will trust me and they will appreciate the fact that I'm a very honest person when it comes to, well, when it comes to a lot, to be honest, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not someone who tries to miss sell something or someone who tries to. Thanks, Eden. Over fantasize cold as well. A, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, over fantasize situation because I ultimately, from experience, it comes back to bite you in the in, in the ass, and and I think the the best thing you can do is to be honest and to be uh, genuine and, and just be passionate about something. Mm. Do you know what I'm picking up here, and let's talk yes. about it quickly. Short term versus long term. So short term, you could have made a lot of money fighting the Iranian yes. Hulk, yep. and you thought long term. Yep. Short term, you were depressed, but you set goals for the long term. Short term, you could cash in and sell some stuff you don't believe in, but you thought about your reputation for the long term. So would you say you're a long term thinker, and is that an element of success? Yes, I think so now, especially, but I think children changes that. Subconsciously, I think mm. it does because you're like, okay, what I make this year is great, but what can I make in ten years' time? And and that's what's 
that's probably what's changed me a lot in the last couple of years is is trying to create businesses that have longevity in them and and on the understanding that you can't build a, a building on on sand and you've got to make sure you've got the the concrete in place mm. and the foundations have to be solid and if you build the foundations on something that's any less than that it's going to crumble mm. and like you said you can make a lot of money short term but long term you're going to be absolutely stuffed yeah so i think that that's definitely uh, you know in my subconscious when i'm making these decisions um, and 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 ultimately i'm not massively a greedy person i'd rather feel that i'm doing the right thing and i do think that pays off in the long term mm. Can we talk about some of your tattoos Let's then? go for it. Um, Be a quick one. Do yeah. I mean anything? <laughs> <laughs> some of them must mean something. Yeah. So or why you got them. Yeah, so I think the why would be because I was so low at the point of having them that I just didn't like myself, didn't like where I was, didn't like what I was doing, was fed up of the, the Monday to Friday, nine to five, and I just wanted to be different and change. And you know, I had these 20 years ago where it wasn't as common to have tattoos 20 years ago. Um, I'd gone a very quick one about my past. Played professionally for Warwickshire, played for England, high level uh, cricket, which is a very affluent sport, very well-to-do people. Um, then from there, I had that mini breakdown, went into the training a bit more, joined the police, was a school teacher, didn't like that, didn't like that. It was just too, the police was just paperwork. It wasn't anything like I expected it to. The school teaching was, it was okay, but it wasn't for me. Um, the biggest problem I had with the, the teaching at schools was it was PE teacher and 50% of the kids wanted to be there and 50% didn't want to be there. And that for me was just, I can't be around negativity. And if someone doesn't want to do something, I don't want to be around it. Obviously, as a school teacher, you can't just tell them to go away. <laughs> so for me, I sort of fell out of love with that very quickly. And then I, I was lost and I was like, I want to try and create something and be someone that I enjoy being rather than just doing, rather than just working for the sake of working and paying a bill for the sake of paying a bill. I actually want to enjoy my life and what do I want to be and what do I want to do? And then this is when I had the idea of, of creating just something completely different and being, being almost my own billboard that stood out and was, boom, I'm here. And the combination of shaving my hair off, having the tattoos, growing the muscles, it worked so well at the time for the fitness side for what I was doing. But this is going back 15 years when social media didn't exist. It was fitness in a gym. It was fitness, you know, real one-to-one -one people. Um, skills and, and meeting real people and it made me stand out so much mm. that I was like this, this is actually quite cool and I used to do personal protection work I used to do bodyguard work um, and it didn't really affect any of that if anything it kind of helped create this sort of standoffish persona which which played real well so the, the tattoos the why was for that was to create something different the meaning behind them um, a lot of it is family orientated to be fair. We've got like my birthmark here, we've got all my families around there, we've got my initials here, the eye for the protector. And so it's very much a, the tattoos and the stories behind the tattoos and what the actual meanings of some of these tattoos means is all, it's like the man of the house, the protector, the provider, the dad, the, the rock. Um, that's what the initial tattoos mean. And then the tattoo I've recently had on my back was 
the it's like um it's actually a picture of my face which has been recreated into kind of like a devil looking thing and for me the meaning of that was to be there's two sides to to a personality so it's the same as me like in Gemini. You have the nice me and you have the horrible me. And it just depends on... Can you take the horrible you back up? <laughs> Don't bring it in. You might have stayed out. <laughs> I have to say, when you squared off with the whole... You looked fucking scary. I do have a switch. It fucking scared me looking at you, looking at him. Yeah, I do, I do, I do have a switch. I do have a switch. Like, I am very chilled and placid, but there's always a breaking point. And I definitely have... I think... In a past life, I was definitely a fighter of some sort, whether that be a warrior or something. I one hundred percent have yeah. that in me, and that's with with the with the fighting side. Anyone that's seen me train, anyone that's seen me fight, I enjoy that. I really do, and there is definitely a switch where I can turn from being chilled into being horrible. But I do have control with that as well. What flicks that switch? <sighs> Element of. There's, there's two there's two things. One, it'll be anything to do family-wise. 100% that'll just come on straight away. <laughs> Not so much the wife, more the kids. <laughs> <laughs> One, that, that's like a protective switch, yeah. which is something that could go from 0 to 100 in this room. Yeah. But that would have to be such as their message. It would have to be something that would make any dad switch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But there would be a very instant switch to... to to something's going to give you a lot of trouble. Or a competitive situation in a sports environment and, and that'll be it. Then I'll be, it can be in the weights room, it can be on the treadmill, it can be in the, and, and there'll be something that flicks in my head that I just have to win. Have to win. And that's, that's probably more dangerous than the angry switch because that ability to switch and uh, no matter what, no cost, you're going to win is something that is composed energy rather than angry energy angry energy burns out very quick whereas composed energy is quite dangerous and it's that mixture but i think that comes i think most sportsmen people have that 100 percent. anyone that's successful in sports has to have that switch where they can they can sort of tap into this almost like a superpower it sounds really cheesy but it is almost like a superpower in the sense that there's just it's relentless and, and you just keep going and keep going and keep going and, and, and it doesn't matter what's in your weights, it's going to be moved. And I think, I think any sports person will understand what I mean by that. Does that not scare you that that beast is inside you that you might not be able to control one day? No, I've not really. I mean, I've had a few times where it's sort of sparked out, but I've never had anything that would worry me at all. I am quite a placid person. Um, I, think, I think any red-blooded male who enjoys fighting and enjoys training and and will have that. And it's just how you control it that's important. And ultimately, if someone does do something that requires that to switch, then they've brought that on themselves. As far as I'm concerned, if someone threatens my kids or threatens my family and into a sense where it's fight or flight, hopefully, for, for me, it would be something that you could, you know, would, people would understand. Mm. Ever any regrets of having tattoos on your face? No, no, never. I love what you said about, well, I'll never be able to get a job. No. <laughs> that's decision made, isn't it? It's like, because you can't exactly hide it under your collar. Do you know what? I think that's the best thing ever. I have a lot of, I, I went to a, a good school. I had some very, I had some very good friends growing up. 
And the irony is that the, the kids who were actually the clever kids at school are now stuck in a wage bracket that they can't afford to get out of because they've never took that risk in life. Mm. They've always done the safe job that pays well. So you're talking, you're talking that the wage bracket sixty to eight thousand, whether it's a doctor or a teacher or great jobs, unbelievable jobs. But then there's always a cap, and they've never been able to break that cap. And now they're in the mid thirties, forties, and they've got children, they've got a mortgage, they've got a life that they're comfortable with. They're too scared to go backwards to risk losing it all. And they're never going to be able to break out doing what they're doing. They mm. get trapped. Mm. And for me, it was kind of the best thing that ever happened to me because I gambled at a point where I had nothing to lose. So I've done the gambling. I had nothing to lose and it's worked. Mm. Whereas now, if I, was, if I was 40 years old, no tattoos, and I was doing a job that was paying 60000 a year, and I, I was happy, but I wasn't really... I was content, but not happy. Would I take the risk of trying to recreate myself at 40 with children to feed and a mortgage to pay? No, I wouldn't. So I think having that at an age where I already had sort of lost everything anyway and gambled, it, it, it didn't give me a choice to sit back. I had to do something and I had to be, I had to be proactive and I had to, for, I have to bring money to the table with me. That's it. I can't rely on anyone else to pay my bills. If I'm not doing it, no one else is doing it. And that all, all of a sudden, that takes you back to a very animalistic time where it's eat or be eaten and it drives you forward. And I think that's what keeps me ambitious and, mm. and constantly on the push to be more successful. Mm. Where did your name Nightmare come from? A film. Oh. <laughs> so I did a film called Undisputed, which was quite a big film, like Underground. And um, the character was called Koshmar. But in the, in the translation to, to English, it means the nightmare. And it just stuck. It just stuck. And it, it hasn't been a bad thing to, to stick. But I think that's also where the sort of the title, the world's scariest man comes from and, and all of that, which again are two very great you know, names to be associated with, especially when you're in the fight world or the film world where you're nine times out of 10 playing the bad guy. It's not a, you know, it's, it, you're typecast, but I kind of don't mind. Mm. Should we do a would you rather round? I got, go uh, we it. came up with a would you rather round. We've never done this before. Go on then. Um, but let's give this a go. All right then. So you can only choose one. You can't okay. choose both. So would you rather be as mad into fitness as you are, but your acting career has gone? Or be a huge, successful actor, but never be able to do any fitness again? Oh, that's a difficult one. <laughs> Probably the fitness, to be honest. Which is scary, because it wouldn't pay as much. <laughs> <laughs> um, fitness was my first passion. And, and to be honest, it's, it's, fitness is so much more than just going to the gym for me. It, it actually, if I couldn't do fitness, I don't think I could do film. I really don't. I don't think I'd be able to... Feel me, be me, be relaxed, be confident. I'd just lose me. And, and, and for that reason, I'd say fitness. Okay. Would you rather fight Eddie Hall for 10 million or Thor for 3 million and why? Eddie, because he's an idiot. <laughs> he's your mate, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what money's money? <laughs> yeah. I'd fight Eddie for 10 million, 100%. Yeah. Great. <laughs> 
Um, would you rather work out with Arnold Schwarzenegger or Dwayne Johnson and why? Probably Dwayne. I have actually worked out with Dwayne before. <laughs> um, we've never, not, not together, we're literally like this far apart in Vegas, training at the same gym at the same time. Um, only, only, I'd say Dwayne purely because I do think we are very similar um, on a lot of things. And I also love his work ethic. I think, I think he's very ambitious, very focused and very humble. Um, and, he, and to be honest, he trades harder than Arnold would now, so it'd be a better session. <laughs> <laughs> if you could only ever own Lamborghinis or only ever own Ferraris, which one and why? Well, as we're both car guys, I think you know exactly which one I'm going to pick, and it would be because I could drive it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can get in it. Yeah. Yes. So Ferrari. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you rather be filthy rich, but you're a skinny vegan, or, <laughs> or working class, but you're a hench carnivore? Working class. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not broke, but you're never going to have much money, but you can be a hench carnivore like you are, or filthy rich, skinny vegan. Yeah, no, I'd rather have meat. <laughs> I don't know if these questions are any good, but my son always used to ask me when he was seven years old, would you rather have feet for hands or hands for feet? Hands for feet. Why is that? Well, you can cover them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's do a have you ever round. Have you ever taken ayahuasca? No. No. Okay. Have you ever thought about it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. Um, no idea what he's on about. <laughs> you know when you go to the Amazon and you have this mind-opening right, okay. trip? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Okay, fine. That was your question, Harry. Was that, question, was that, was that one of your son's questions? <laughs> <laughs> that was his question. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I want to talk about hate on social media yep. in its own session section because it's obviously... A big thing, but have you ever hated on someone or trolled someone on social? I don't think so. I may have been proven wrong, but I don't think I have. Um, I hate people who are on, some people who are on social media, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I've never actually gone out there and put stuff on that I remember, no. Okay. What are you going to say I have now? <laughs> no, no. No, just... Um, <laughs> so I... Some people need it, I think. Like, yeah. I don't like to be a troll or a hater, but sometimes doesn't something need to be called out if it's bullshit? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I also don't have time, yeah. if I'm honest. I, I'm so busy in life that I try and stay on social media as little as I need to be. Mm. And looking at other people isn't something that really f bothers me in, 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 in a sense where feel the need to comment on their stuff. I agree 100% that this should be called out, but we also spoke about this earlier with what's the point? Yeah. Are they really going to be that concerned? Are they really going to make a difference? Is Boris going to listen to what you're saying? Mm. Who's, who's ultimately being affected more by your disgrudgement of, of someone? If you're spending hours a day and they're not even looking at it, yeah. it for me, I haven't got that free time to, to, to do it. I agree with platforms who speak out about stuff that needs to be spoken out about. I think that's definitely. But for me, there's no one or no thing that I see more important than spending time with my kids. And that's ultimately where the time comes from. Mm. Mm. 
Um, have you ever filtered a photo of yourself on social media? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't. I don't, even, I don't have to use one. I think, I think the, uh, there's two different ways of looking at, at, at the filters for me. If you put on a bit of colour and you just take away like the, the fact that you look, look like you haven't slept for seven days, I don't see a massive issue with that. When you start changing angles and start increasing arm size and leg size, that for me is something that's ridiculous. Mm. But just putting on a filter that makes it look like it's sunny outside and not pissing down the rain, I don't think there's a problem with that one. Mm. And I think the, real, the reality is a lot of people clean up photos um, on social media. Mm. Have you ever taken steroids? No. No. <laughs> um, what do you think of steroids? No. No. <laughs> oh, just no comment. Yeah. Okay, fair for enough. Me, for me, the steroid situation is a very difficult one to, to go into because it's like me asking you, have you ever done cocaine? Have you ever smoked marijuana? Have you ever done, uh, have you ever drank excessively? Have you ever drank excessively? Yes. So would you classify yourself as a bad person? No. Could it potentially be a bad thing to do? Yes. Good people do bad things. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a good or a bad thing. And, and, and I'm not trying to angle you as a bad person. I just no, no. A good for, question. Me, for me, my, my, my problem with questions around performance enhancing drugs are there's very... It's a very awkward subject because do I believe they can be used for the good? Yes, 100%. Science proves that, right? Do I believe in the wrong hands? They're dangerous. Yes, 100%. Every day proves that. Mm. The issue with people openly talking about drugs, especially steroids, from someone who's a fitness person on social media is that young, impressionable kids will listen to an answer and take from it what they want. They won't do the research. They won't do the blood testing. They won't do the... Um, the training first for five years by eating healthy and then hitting your genetic potential. Oh, so if Blady Blas took steroids and he's successful, that makes sense for me to take steroids. I just think it's a very difficult question to answer mm. and to be subjective and to also give it the time it requires and also be responsible. As, a, as an adult, someone who has been through depression, been through very dark times, I'm not stupid. I understand the benefits of steroids 100%. I also understand that the majority of steroids on the market are black because you can't buy them legally. The majority of steroids on the market are therefore f most likely fake or made in someone's house, which make them extremely dangerous. Legalized steroids in countries are also extremely dangerous because the majority of people taking them don't understand how to take them properly. I think there's a massive problem with steroids. I think there's a huge problem with steroids in the fitness industry. I think it's something that needs to be looked at. I think it's something that is only going to get worse while social media is how it is because people cannot achieve the physiques they want naturally. I don't care what people say. There's 2 or 3% of genetically gifted people and then the rest will always be chasing that look. And there's no way you can look like a fitness influencer without drugs. I can look at 100 athletes and I can tell you 99% how many are or aren't on drugs. It's not, it's not hard to say. It's, mm. And that's why for me it's a question that if you're looking at people's pictures, if you're in the fitness industry, you know the answer. Do you think Dwayne takes steroids? I'm not in the fitness industry, but looking at him, I'm like, probably yes. <laughs> 
and I, I didn't know even know what trend was until two days ago. Sorry, See, two that's, weeks that's, ago. That's kind of like saying, do you enjoy um, do you enjoy a drink of alcohol? Yeah, I like a, a glass of wine, or 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 you going, yeah, I'll have seven bottles of Jack Daniels. Trend is like the one of the most potent, most dangerous. I only heard of it two yeah, weeks ago. And as you can see, I'm, I'm yeah, not a steroid. No, I, I definitely wouldn't have said you were. No. <laughs> Should we but, do a would you rather on that? But, but no. for, for me, it's a subject that... Is it know, not good? By the way, thank you for talking about it. Yeah. Um, surely it's a good thing if you can educate people on the, the risks and the think, dangers. I do think education on steroids is very important and, and it's something that needs to be looked at. And I think it's not but, just... By the way, does Dwayne Johnson take steroids? I don't know. Oh. But you said you look at 99% of them and you think you could tell. Would you say he does? <laughs> I don't need to answer the question. <laughs> He's the most famous act, one of the most famous actors in Hollywood and, 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 and love him to be so. I He's love a great him as guy. well. Yeah. I think he's a brilliant guy and he trains ridiculously hard yeah. and he's worked every second for his physique. Um, I mean, if he's natural, he's fucking gifted. Mm. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything about him by doing it or not doing it. The no. only issue I have with people taking steroids is when it's in a sports setting and it's you're not allowed i think yeah. that's that's not fair mm. do i think most sports people well do i think sports people take steroids yes mm. <laughs> whether depending on what is classified as a steroid in a sense that there's there's different things that they'll do it's just medication in sports yeah that's basically what it is and when people dedicate their whole lives to being successful and can't win and you're telling someone you take one tablet you'll win are you going to take that tablet if you've always failed of course mm. you yeah. We, we sports people want to win it. Do you know what I mean? This, yeah. is the, this is what people don't understand. It's any means necessary. How many business people do dodgy dealings to jump up the ladder? Yeah. Exactly the same as taking steroids. Well, I mean, I, I don't come from the standpoint of taking steroids moral judgment. I don't actually look at, look at it like that. Just look at it as a, a thing someone does. Yeah, I, I, for me... Or doesn't do. For, for me, the whole steroid thing is something that the... The problem is you've got people who aren't educated on it, making an opinion on it. Mm. That's the biggest biggest issue. Now, there's, there's obviously a lot of health issues associated with it as well. But then there's a difference between having a glass of wine on a weekend and having five bottles of wine on a weekend. Yeah. In the sense that when you hit a certain age, 30 plus, 40 plus, taking TRT, which is testosterone replacement treatment, if your testosterone level's coming down, do the research on that. It's so beneficial to health. Mm. It's ridiculous, but that's like, that much yeah. compared to your 15-year-old kid who's starting the gym taking that much. Mm. That's the problem. Mm. And the problem is thinking that steroids are the be-all and, be and end-all of training. Um, and when they're really not, they're genuinely not. You know, I can sit here hand on heart and say, now I'm clean. Mm. I'm great. I'm feel, and I feel amazing. Mm. When you're in a bodybuilding environment and so on, I don't think there's... It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a question that's it's double loaded mm. and it's a very awkward subject to talk about. And I I come from the standpoint where I'd rather a professional talk about it, a doctor who can give good advice to kids who are very impressionable and a, 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 a stage where I think us as adults have created it for them, if I'm honest, through media and social media and made them feel not good enough by looking normal, that they they feel the need to have to look a certain way. Mm. So I think it's I think it's a question that should be asked on a two hour long podcast yeah. with professionals in the room. Yeah, but not just professionals on medication, professionals on mind, 
depression, uh, anxiety. What leads people to taking steroids? You've got the sports side. You've also then got the side of people that hate themselves. You know, some, some people can't stand the way they look, so they want to create a different persona. Does that make that person a bad person? That they're suicidal because they feel like shit, knowing that if they were to get into a gym and put a bit of muscle on, they might have a bit more self-confidence. Mm. Does that make them a bad person? I don't think it makes them a bad person. I think it makes them an unhappy person. Yeah. And then they're getting judgment on the back end of that. It's a, it's a very difficult... It's a difficult question to answer for me from where I stand. Well, I thought that was great. Thank so. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I actually do want to put on a little bit of muscle. Go on. Train. Yeah, train. Yeah. That was a joke. <laughs> round two in a year when I'm 60s. Like, this is freaking embarrassing, but I've trained on and off since I was like 21. So for 22 years, and I've not really put on any muscle, so I'm doing something wrong. So could you give a, a couple of tips on someone like me? I'm 40 odd, um, and I, I'd like to get a bit bigger. I don't want, I'm not obsessed about it, but I'd yeah. like to get a bit bigger. What, what should I do? For, for me, the... It's just be basic. Go back to basics. Understand your macros, which is your foods. Make sure that you're eating enough um, of the three nutrients you need, which is the fats, the proteins, the carbs. Don't overeat protein. A lot of people overeat protein, undereat carbs. Um, train hard. Train smart. Don't overtrain. Do the lifts that are going to be most challenging. Uh, and try and change it up so your body doesn't know what's coming. Don't obsess with weight training when trying to put muscle on, which sounds weird. Uh, for me, at, at our age, because you're a few years older than me. Only three. Yeah, that's what I mean, you're a few years older. <laughs> I'd look at doing um, all over body workouts, Yeah. reducing the time in the gym, increasing the recovery time, staying hydrated, and being healthy as well. A lot of people don't understand the importance of, of cardio in order to add muscle. Because ultimately, you need the, a powerful heart to fuel the workouts. Right. So being smart, being being um, selective with the exercises, and making sure that you consume the right few, uh, foods is essential. It's just like growing a flower. If you try and grow a flower in concrete and don't water and feed it, it's not going to grow. Mm. You, you know, you've bought a seed, but the seed won't flourish. So what you do outside the gym is more important sometimes than what you're doing inside the gym. Um, what constitutes overtraining? Like when do you get to the point where it's detrimental? Uh, that's where tracking your training really helps. And the average person overtraining, you're talking 45 minutes to 60 minutes of hard work and then maybe four times a week for the average person that's not taking any supplementation, let's say. That makes a massive difference. With the... The easiest way to spot overtraining is irritability, uh, tiredness, lack of motivation, and lack of results. So if you was to keep like a training diary of every day, how do you feel before you go into the gym? How do you feel in the gym? Are you requiring caffeine or pre-workouts to um, get the workout going? And that gives you an indication if you're overtraining or not. Mm. And um, four times a week, you reckon? Yeah, I mean, it depends how much free time you've got to train. Yeah. You know, if you, and it's not just the free time you've got to train as in like, okay, I've got four hours a week I can sacrifice. It's how much do you sleep? How much do you rest? What's your stress levels like? Because all of these will play into your ability to grow muscle. Mm. And um, should you do like compound over isolated? Yes. Uh, 
depending on injuries. Because um, that's one of the reasons why I've never really progressed that much is because I, I progress and then I get an injury and I have to stop for three to six months. That could be, yeah. that could be because you're not training from the core. Right. In the sense that everything else gets stronger. It's like having a Lamborghini with Fiesta brakes. Eventually they're brakes and they give. So <laughs> yeah. do you do joint work? Do you do core work? Do you do stretch, stretching mobility, flexibility, check your hydration levels? Yes, no? No, 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 no. Lamborghini, Fiesta break. <laughs> yeah. It's going to break. Yeah. So if you, and also periodization training. So you could periodize your training. So you go through a segment of strength, a segment of uh, hypertrophy, segment of anatomical adaptation. Then you might go back into conditioning. And it's, it's breaking it down to stages so you're not constantly overloading the system. Yeah. And also overloading the system you know, you, you get a point then where you become catabolic, so you're not, you're not able to grow because your body's always tired. Right. So sometimes under-stimulating the muscles is a great way to grow muscle. And a lot of people think you've got to constantly burn them out, burn them out. And this goes back to, this, to the question about steroids. People don't know this, but they're willing to take a tablet to, to get them strong because they think that tablet's going to give them the knowledge mm. that five years at university has given me to understand how to grow muscle. Mm. That's the frustrating thing about what do you reckon about steroids? Yeah. It's like that much of that much. Mm. So understand how to train, how to eat, how to rest, how to recover. You go, go through different therapies for recovery. There's different ways to recover. There's so much you can do um, and you need to do to, to get the, the look that you want. And it's not that you're never going to get there because you haven't got the genetics. It's more a case of, you, of what we spoke about being successful as a business person. Mm. You need to go back and understand the reasons, right? Why haven't you done this? Why can't you do that? Why hasn't that worked? Well, it hasn't worked because of X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, if I implement X, Y, and Z, I'll get a different, a different outcome. Mm. And that's probably all you need to go back and address, right? What have I done? What haven't I done? Why has it worked? Why hasn't this worked? And start to track. Does split training work? Does progress, does uh, I four reps work? Does supersets work? What does your body adapt to? What foods do you adapt to? It's the same as anything in life. Just because you're, you're somewhere, just because we're in this room, it doesn't mean we're going to have a successful podcast. Yeah. The fact that you've researched me and you've put questions on, you've got that, that makes it something that potentially could be a good podcast. Same as a training, just because you're in the gym, if you don't understand what you're doing or why you're doing it, it doesn't mean you're going to have a, get the results. Mm. You've just turned up. Turning up is not adequate. Yeah. I don't want to make this about me, but I want to nick the opportunity while you're here to ask <laughs> So I think one of the reasons I've never really got that much bigger is because um, I was the fattest kid in my year at school for three years uh, and I've got quite a weird relationship with food. I yep. lost all the weight basically out of hate for myself yep. Yep. and you know not being accepted by everyone. And I just don't eat much food. And I've just got this big trigger whereby I just don't eat a load of food in case I put on a yep. bit around there. Yep. So, like I'm... 30 inch waist and if I get above 32 it's a trigger to like oh I'm going to get fat and yep. I just like don't eat in the day and, and, then you, and you know the weirdest thing about that your anxiety created by food will stop you growing muscle right anxiety is one of the worst things that you can have for when it comes to the body the body needs to be relaxed and in a very nice state for it to grow your testosterone also has to be very relevant um I mean, for, for the biggest thing is to, the biggest thing I think for you 
which would help would be to understand. If you understand food, you understand how food works, you understand how different macros and micronutrients work, you can then accept it on your plate. The biggest problem with people who create eating disorders is actually the lack of knowledge of what they're eating. So all of a sudden they'll say, well, there's carbs there. I know carbs are going to make me fat because I remember reading that. And I remember that high protein diets are great because it doesn't cause as much fat. And the reality is carb diets hold water, which is why you go a bit fat. It's not fat, it's water. But to you, you'll feel chunky. Now, if you go through periodization training where you're doing a strength phase and a hypertrophy phase, you're going to want a higher macro split of carbs because you're going to want the energy to build the muscle, to break the fibers down. If you're having a high protein diet during a strength phase, you won't have the energy to build. And this is where people go wrong. And you, 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 like, you, you obviously enjoy bodybuilding. So you'll see off-season, you'll see season. Now, the off-season is a tendency where bodybuilders will come off-cycle so they'll be a bit chunkier, but they'll also increase the carb intake so they can train harder and keep the muscle mass. If you keep a high level of carbs, you'll be able to retain more muscle, right? Which is why off-season bodybuilders are going through that stage. For you, if you have the if you have an idea of how muscular you want to get, use that some form. muscle. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, let's, say, let's say just let's say four pound. Four, yeah. four pound of lean muscle, right? right. Which is a lot. Four yeah. pound of lean muscle is a lot. So if you have a if you have a, a, a phase of something between six to eight weeks, which is a combination of strength and hypertrophy, which you're looking at a switch between four to six reps and then eight to twelve reps to get the maximum amount of stimulation of the muscles, and you make sure that you're fueling those workouts and don't worry too much about the water weight because water weight can be lost in three days. Right. Right. And that's probably what you're feeling is just water weight. If you yeah. if you get yourself a machine where you can read your body fat levels. You might be able to accept it more then that, okay, I'm not getting fat. It's just water. But right. on the back end of this water coming in, that's what's actually fueling the workouts to grow the muscle. Then when I switch to the endurance or to the anatomical adaptation, which is basically what you need to do to stop getting injuries. So anatomical adaptation allows you to bring the intensity down, but keeps the muscle stimulated while the joints, the ligaments, and the tendons catch up with the muscle. So right. what you've been doing is doing the muscle growth, but then not allowing the ligaments and tendons to catch up to be strong enough to hold that muscle, which is why you get injured. Right. And your diet's probably not right. Yeah. I'd say your I fats- I definitely don't eat enough. I'd say your yeah. fats aren't good enough. Right. Because the fats will lubricate the joints. Yeah. I'd say your protein's probably a little bit too high. I'd say your carbs are not good enough. That's really helpful. Thank you. <laughs> nice. I'll send out that check. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Just send an invoice. Yeah, do it. It's all good. Right. Um, quick fire round to finish. Let's go. Okay. Who do you most admire and why? Oh, very difficult, that is. <laughs> admire. I'm probably going to go from someone from the past, and it would be a sports person, um, which would probably explain a lot of my personality, but Roy Keane. And that wasn't nothing to do with his football. It was just his mindset and his, his stubbornness and his ability to just to, to control a situation. And that, that, that for me as a sports person was probably one of, my, one of my heroes growing up. Best advice you ever remember receiving? Why horses wear blinkers? Don't worry about what's going on there or there. Just focus on going forward and yourself. What's your biggest fear? Feeling how I felt when I had a, it all, when I lost the whole lot, going through the breakdown that I had. 
and giving up. That's my biggest fear is not being... Uh, well, my biggest fear is, is quitting. Do you think that's part of what motivates you to be successful? 100%. I don't even think I'm motivated to be successful. I think I'm motivated not to, f- to give up, which in turn allows you to become successful. Mm. What's the biggest risk you've ever taken? Having the third child. <laughs> <laughs> biggest risk. Um, probably, I'd say tattoos all over my face was a pretty damn good one. Paid off. Yeah, it's worked. Mm. Risk and reward. Yeah. Um, 15 second or less tip for mental strength. Believe in yourself more. This podcast is called Disruptors. Uh, what does disruptive mean to you? I'd say choosing to associate with people who don't have your best interest at heart. <laughs> Where can we follow you? Where, what are you promoting? What, what's on social? What have you got coming up that we should all go and check out? I have a film coming out this summer um, with... But Krasier, Krasier, an American, he's going to kill me now, I can't pronounce his second name right, <laughs> and Mark Hamill, uh, ah. called The Machine, which is a legendary film, um, produced by them, not, you know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being egotistical here, um, which is a, it's actually a really funny um, comedy based on a story that Bert tells on stage, which I think will be, well, I'm hoping it'll be one of the, Biggest films to date for me. Um, I've seen my parts already. Character's fantastic. I play a Russian, which probably isn't very popular at this moment in time. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a very fun family film. Uh, that's coming out this summer. We've got Sandman, also on Netflix, which comes out in the next couple of weeks, I believe, which I'm in. Uh, there's some girls as well. What else am I in? <sighs> can't remember. <laughs> We've got social media platforms. I can't remember them either. <laughs> Martin Ford on Instagram, you'll find that. Martin Ford and, on TikTok. And with a Y, Martin with Martin a Y. Martin Ford with a Y. Yeah. Uh, Martin Ford doing belly dancing on TikTok. That's, <laughs> that's the latest one. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, 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 just search the name and you'll find the platforms if you're interested in following. But all I ever really want from podcasts is that people take the smallest snip it from it and, and allow to, uh, and hopefully it helps them because, mm. you know, I am a very normal person at heart and uh, someone who's lived a very uh, eventful life. And, and I don't mean that in a, you know, like a bad boy type image. I just mean someone who has been broke six years ago, refused to give up um, and has become successful because of my mindset. I massively believe that is the refusal to, accept what people say, the refusal to limitate myself, uh, limit myself, sorry. And, and if any, you know, especially at the moment with what's going on and how people are becoming driven into poverty and, and you know, the prices of, of just living is, is going through the roof and depressions at an all time high, especially during, you know, for men. And so someone that's been depressed, gone through depression and still has elements of depression is is just to try and find that switch inside yourself and we all have it you just need to find out what 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 that is and what gives you the energy and motivation to try and become 
um, successful and don't judge your success on other people's success. You know, we're in this room and financial success, if we were to put your money against my money, you'd probably be head and head and head and head and what was head and shoulders <laughs> above but, head, head and neck. Head and neck. <laughs> but it's it's all relevant mm. because that's what's that you know it's it doesn't matter what your classification of success is as long as you're feeling that you're successful. Mm. And for me I felt I felt as successful five years ago as I do now. And the difference in the bank is night and day, but I was happy five years ago because I was happy with myself. I had my daughter, I had my second daughter was on the way, I finally got my own house and that was all I ever wanted. So don't try and set the bar too high. And and that's pretty much all I've, you know, if people can take from this, if one person can take from it and, and, and make a small change, then that's all that really matters. Now that would be a perfect end, but I just have to nick one more question because it's hyper relevant. You talk about the cost of living right now and how difficult it is for a lot of people. So what caused you to lose your money seven years ago and what behavior change or actions did you make to turn it around? I don't think it was a case of losing money. Uh, I think it was just a case of being stuck in a job that wasn't paying enough for the life I was was in. I mean, me and, me and my wife have been together relationship-wise maybe 13 years. We share three kids together. We've, we had uh, our ups and downs as every couple does. We split up for a couple of months about six, seven years ago. And during that time, I could only afford to pay for the house that my wife and kid lived in. So I was living in the garage at my mom's house. It was a converted garage, there was a bed in there. But I was homeless seven years ago. Me and the wife got back together, work started picking up again, doors started opening, and now we've got a very nice house, a very nice log cabin, a very nice lifestyle. Um, but I was, I had absolutely nothing seven years back. And it's, it's trying to allow people that insight into to my life. I think a lot of people see successful people and just presume they've always been successful. And they don't realize that there's a lot that goes behind that success. 33 years of not being successful I had. And the last seven I have. And that's what really, that's the message I'd, lo- I'd really love to put out there. Especially for the kids coming through the next, the next generation. The 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds that feel life has already stuffed them because of the way that COVID's hit them in the last two years and so on. I'd like to be able to give them some reassurance that if you can just keep digging away, whether it's in your 20s or your 30s or your 40s, if you keep knocking that door, eventually it will open. This has been awesome. Thanks, Martin. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much.